escape. And yet it's also something that is so common. It, these stories are only going to continue to happen unless we do something. Um, and so to the point of your question about how do we break this log jam, I mean, we just saw this summer, for the first time in nearly 30 years, federal legislation passed to reduce gun violence. And that's really important. I mean, up until pretty much when it happened, uh, a lot of the conversation was, oh, this is horrible. What are we going to do? Um, and the consensus was the change at the federal level was something that should happen, but probably wasn't going to. And then we saw within a couple of weeks that change. And the reason that it changed was that there was public pressure, there were people being outspoken, and there was a push to hold politicians accountable because we know this issue of gun violence is preventable. We see other countries, all of our other pure nations, do not have this problem. It is only the U.S. in which we have very easy access to firearms and an oversaturation of them in our communities where we really see this issue persist. And Robert Chentrip, we have five seconds. Do you think the answer is an assault weapons ban? We do. And at Brady United, we support a Solvins ban, universal background checks, and a slate of comprehensive solutions, all part of our Brady blueprint to prevent gun violence that you can read at BradyUnited.org. We thank you so much for being with us. Robert Shentrup of Brady Youth Initiative, Team Enough, and Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. You're listening to KBOO Portland, 90.7 FM. The time is 8 a.m. Next up is Wednesday Talk Radio with Paul Rowland. And good morning, everybody. Nothing like starting off the program with a little Sex Pistols liar. And of course, I assume you all know what that's referring to. Yeah, I was actually, I was actually going to do this program on the Nord Stream too, believe it or not. And I had a, a bunch of articles. Well, there aren't too many articles, but there is the Cy Hirsch article and uh, a few others. Already some reactions to that piece. Anyway, since there hasn't been any coverage on that hardly, I figured I'd just read his article. But Amy Goodman stole my thunder in a good way and uh, got Cy on himself. And I should look into getting, uh, find out a way to get into Cy Hirsch. Uh, I, maybe I can. So anyway, uh, that's possibly for the future. Um, yeah. Lying Liars. Isn't that a book by Al Franken? Okay, good morning. This is Wednesday Talk Radio. I am your host, Paul Rowland. I have a few uh, kind of housekeeping things to take care of. Turn down my headphones. My voice is booming in my ear. Okay, so last week after my show, uh, a couple people called me, and uh, one of whom took me to task for a few things, so I just want to correct the record. Um, I talked about Per Fogering's uh, difficulties. He's in a uh, assisted living facility, and I was uh, I pronounced his his uh, name wrong, so I just corrected it. Per Fogering of Norwegian extraction. Um, the same caller uh, admonished me not to use the term snail mail, and I thought about that, and I think that's true. I mean, of course, they use it to distinguish it from, uh, you know, electronic mail, which is uh, immediate. But it does kind of disparage our wonderful post service, postal service, which I use. 
I actually try not to use uh, some of the other private services. In fact, I succeed uh, most all the time. Anyway, so yeah, I, I identify with that. And the third thing they wanted, they wanted to know whether Kebu was uh, thinking of uh, bringing Joanne Hardesty back on the air. And of course, uh, I forgot about that. I was going to actually uh, inquire with our uh, public affairs department, but I didn't. So I don't know the answer to that question. So there. Um, another caller at the very end of the program uh, took me to task in a very... Uh, severe way for my take on a Biden State of the Union. And uh, while I, I, I think, you know, you know, he doesn't know me, so he doesn't know how I think, but, you know, how I come across on the air is how people know me. So I, I must be careful. And, and I think his points uh, were uh, valid, if perhaps not expressed in the most helpful way. But uh, basically saying I was kind of wishy-washy and and basically that the uh, you know um there uh, isn't very much to celebrate in the uh Biden administration anyway I won't go into it because I don't actually remember the specifics but anyway I guess I was thinking about that because the 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 lying on the Nord Stream just the just the sheer arrogance of that m move which uh you know I know uh, Robbie you you're probably listening a faithful listener of KBU in this program who uh, often calls in and has been talking about the Nord Stream 2 for quite a while. And uh, I I basically, my position was, uh, unless someone, you know, has a, quote, smoking gun, unless further evidence comes out, I can't say one way or another. But that was a bit of a cop-out. You know, I could have I could have looked at the same things, as certainly the, quote, circumstantial evidence, the those statements that you heard, um, from Biden saying that it would be taken out beforehand um, from Victoria Newland, the uh, one of the architects of the war in Ukraine. Yes, let's just put it out there. One of the architects of the war in Ukraine, not just Putin to dance. Uh, well, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a continuation of uh, longstanding geopolitical uh, conflicts and not just a unilateral action. Let's just dispense with that right now. So anyway, um, and yeah, the whole bunch of stuff was already out there. And uh, Cy Hirsch not just pulled those together, but apparently he actually had some sort of inside source that he draws upon for his article. So yeah, I could have been a lot stronger on that. I'll, I'll cop to that. But we can talk about that. Um, you know, I guess I want to focus on why it matters but I have a couple other uh, things I wanted to mention. Um, on February 18th, let's see, today's the 15th. So that would be Saturday, correct? 15th is Wednesday, 16th, 17th, 18th. Yes, uh, Saturday evening, there's a live music fundraiser. It's a gathering to raise money and send prayers to the Winnemucca elders. Uh, I covered that at least once on this program, the um, eviction of, of elders and the um, from their their homes and apparently the uh, using of uh, of homes and building uh, some kind of uh, housing for workers for the uh, lithium mine not far from there. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, Miss. Kyla or Kyla of the Big Island, the Dog Butte Singers of Warm Springs, and there'll be photography by Man Red, raffle tickets for purchase. Um, so that's 7 to 10 p.m. at February 18th at this place, Nalu Kava. And uh, let me just tell you where that is. If I can bring that up. My apologies, I got too many things going on on this screen here. I can't seem to get rid of this one thing. Oh darn, here we go. Okay, it is at 722 North Summer, Sumner Street in Portland, Nalukava, uh, some kind of a bar, cafe, something in 72 North Sum Sumner Street in Portland. 
And one more thing, an announcement. Uh, the enduring, enduring legacy of Portland's Black Panthers uh, coming up at Powell City of Books. That's Sunday, the day after, February 19th at 2 p.m. In the 1960s through the 80s, the Black Panther Party rose up throughout the United States, awakening a world without systemic racism and political violence. Joe Beals, The Enduring Legacy of Portland's Black Panthers, is a story of Portland, Oregon's chapter of the party told from original interviews, firsthand accounts, and extensive research, including police surveillance documents. And you can actually found, find that on, uh, Powell, on the Powell's page yourself. That's a Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, thanks to uh, Tim for bringing that to my attention. And that's also uh, in the context of uh, next week's show will be with another guest of Amy Goodman's uh, last week, Trevor Aronson, with this uh, new podcast, um, Alf The Alphabet Boys. And uh, anyway, Trevor Aronson is a contributing writer for The Intercept and a 2020 ASU Future Security Fellow at New America. He's also the author of The Terror Factory, Inside the FBI's Manufactured War on Terrorism. And... Uh, Let's see. There's something about his podcast. Okay, so Alphabet Boys reveals the secret investigations of this FBI, D, FBI, DEA, ATF, and other alphabet agencies. Hosted by journalist Trevor Aronson, Alphabet Boys exposes secret undercover recordings that the government never war wanted the public to hear. And uh, season one is a Trojan hearse, pun, during the rage-filled summer of 2020, a mysterious cigar-smoking Antifa warrior, so-called Antifa, rolled into town. He wore military fatigue, spoke with a raspy voice, and drove a hearse filled with guns. He also kept a very big secret, which, of course, that we, he was an FBI informer. So that's next week. I'll be getting back to uh, having guests. I guess my original uh, subject for this program, which you can also call in on if you want, was... Uh, I don't know. I really never ask my listeners what they would like to hear, if they have any suggestions for guests, uh, if they like me going solo, if they like having more opportunity to call in, or, as I said, if they have any particular guests in mind. Um, but, of course, the other subject is the Nord Stream 2 and the absolute audacity. I mean, it's going to come back in their faces. How could they not know that? Um, you know, it had to come out eventually. Yeah. So, uh, well, we already have a caller. So let's just go right to Mike. Go ahead. You're on the air. Good morning, Paul. Um, so I, you know, I, I live up in the hills and I, try, I uh, commute a couple times a week typically. Um, and I was there for the second half of the show last week um and i heard the the last caller um and i was agreeing with a lot of the sentiment most of his sentiments um i will say that i think it was leveled at, at kbu as much as i it was definitely um commenting on you but i think um the trend of kbu has uh, as a whole i mean things i've observed i i'm still a loyal member and i i love i i appreciate the um the callers and the the hosts and uh, you know everything the music i can't i can go on and on uh, as well as the what you know the mission of kpu um as far as um as far as the Nordstrom pipeline. Well, well wait a second. Uh, you didn't, you, you, I didn't mention real specifics because I actually didn't have them fresh to mind. I should have re-listened to it. And you're not mentioning, but, I, I, you know, that's a, a broad statement. So what, what, what is it? What are the critiques that you're talking about? Um, I don't, I, I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give one critique, um, I guess, would be the, the, that there's a gen from myself personally, and maybe I'm, I'm obviously in the minority um, um, 
uh, with the general population that um, we shouldn't be um, supporting or endorsing the uh, the supposedly left-wing party uh, of the two-party system um, I, I, or lesser of two evils argument that I I hear a lot of but but can I just say it's it's a reasoned argument um, and I, as well as with um, you know I, I listened to Cy Hirsch um, and I was fortunate to be to hear that um, expose and I, I don't know everything. I don't know. I mean, can I, do, can I just respond? Educated, but but it's a re, there's a reasoned argument, and I think that your response was reasoned and and really. I, well, can, can I just that was more striking striking to me, Paul? Was uh, your your response to the caller was honest, uh, reflective, uh, really made me trust. And, and your uh, and and just what you have to say because I I feel like you're yeah I didn't it didn't make me particularly defensive or anything I mean I was kind of trying it's hard especially at the last <laughs> the last minute of the show to to kind of suss out you know because as I said the heat the the caller didn't know me I don't know the caller it's the kind of thing you really have to get into the nitty gritty of it and it's almost impossible to do at the at the end of show and even is difficult in a talk show format. So all those limitations, yeah, I mean, I don't, unless someone says something that I think is just totally off base, you know, I, I, I think I think criticism is really important. That's why I I let let sometimes, you know, open up to actual criticism of, of me, of KBOO, of whatever, which is good. But let, what you brought up, I think there is something really important and something I've addressed a fair amount is sort of this divide, you know, call it, you know, the liberals versus the radicals or, you know, the, you know, whatever, the revolutionaries versus, you know, it, it breaks in different ways. But, you know, people who, who think that, you know, all in all, you know, we still have to work within the system, you know, we, it's like uh, it, versus people who think, no, the system has been rigged from the very beginning and you actually have to get rid of it, whatever. You know, and then there's people who have a maybe a more sophisticated who, you know, believe that you can, you know, you can, ref, you know, act within the system ref, through, you know, strategic reforms and also work towards uh, radical change, uh, overthrow of capitalism, et cetera. The problem is, is that there's people who just don't want to have that deba debate. And I think they're actually people, you know, on the air at KBU. I'll say it. I won't say who they are. I think I think KBU itself, this is a big criticism I've had of the station, is there isn't an internal political debate over these fundamental questions that, you know, things are just getting worse and worse. We keep kicking this can down the road, these fundamental questions, you know, is capitalism a, a, a system that fundamentally can't be reformed, that fundamentally is heading us towards, you know, uh, mutual destruction, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, that's just the, that's just where it, with the thought, but go ahead. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it seems like there's a, the um, what do, what do you call it? The, the time is running out with um, climate change to name a few of, of the name one of the many um, just um, <laughs> questions, um, and I guess it's I don't I'm not sure where to go there. I except um, that there that there it, the only the thing that makes the most sense the, is to somehow, um, and I, I guess I'll, well, so to somehow um, get the working class together, um, and I don't know how that works with the divide, and and that's obviously been deliberate for the you know entire time of history that there's um, leaders so division. Um, but uh, I, I always liked um, uh, what's his uh, uh, <laughs> sorry uh, Nader Ralph Nader uh, uh, yeah Nader for a while um, not for a while I mean he's he's been a hero forever um, but he he had the uh, focus on um, 
kind of right wing or sorry getting left wing and right wing blue uniting um yeah and i think that there's something to be said for restoring democracy that a lot of people would stand for um on as you're talking about well, yeah, but um, we need economic democracy, which is you know is is has been raised, but generally only in the context of the more radical factions of of labor union unionists, um, activists of all stripes, and yeah, nobody wants to talk about it because you know the subject of of capitalism as a system is still pretty much taboo, and uh-huh. so that's why that's well, why I talk a lot of anyway. Let's give some other people a chance to okay. talk. Yeah. I really appreciate the, okay. the time to talk. No worries. Thank you, Mike. Um, don't see who we have up next, but uh, April. Is that what you said? Okay, well, go ahead. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Yeah, I am April. I um, was listening to uh, the last caller with um, a lot of interest. I think that you brought up something very valuable, Paul. Um, I have been a KB listener for, oh, about a decade and a half now. And for at least a decade of that time, I was a KB um, monthly contributing member. And I no longer am. Not because I don't find any value in KB, but because I don't have enough money to support something that isn't exactly aligned with my values anymore. I I keep listening and hope to be a monthly supporter again. But um, what really bothers me is kind of what Mike was talking about, but the biggest thing for me is that I no longer feel that KBU is um, fulfilling their, at least what used to be their mission statement, of being a community radio and serving the voices of the underserved. Um, I have noticed that uh, KBU plays... I realized that when COVID happened, a lot of the... Um, it was hard to keep on the air, and they went to a lot of canned shows, you know, from other places, uh, pre-recorded, not community. But I feel that now they should be going back towards more community-produced shows involving more people, and that's not happening. In fact, the opposite is happening. I was just—I've commented a couple times to KBU, and nobody's responded. But I was just listening the other day again, and noticed that um, Hard Knock Radio used to be one of my favorite shows. And I realize it's not community produced, but it, it is talking about. Um, well, it's a community, but not just not our community, yeah. right? Yeah. And and it's 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 grassroots. It's things that individual people could get involved in. And I've always thought that it was one of the most valuable shows, and they rarely play it anymore. And like yesterday, they were having a pre-recorded music show, which it was interesting. It was like an an interview and music and it was good but it's not what I've come to rely on or what I expect and I don't think it certainly doesn't promote um, new ideas so can I ask you a question so how, sure. how did you make your comments you said you commented already Kabu. how did you do that um, so I've well I've commented on hard knock radio specifically twice no, by but leaving. I mean in what by through email through a phone message no I don't have a computer so okay phone messages but other than that I've talked with Ender several times and I talked with Althea about the news once that it's not happening every day and I feel that's kind of a a bourgeois thing I mean (laughs) you know us working stiffs don't get the days off so it isn't necessarily we still need the news Um, and I've written letters Um, a couple years ago I was writing letters to Celeste regularly and I had one conversation with her and the second one she said something on air that sounded a little snarky to me, and I don't know if it was quite a response or not, so I stopped that. Okay. And so, I rarely call I, in anymore because I, of the same. I, I hear I hear what you're saying, and these yeah. uh, should be of concerns. I'm not, you know, we're... Uh, no, you know we're we're going to be opening up. I've heard this for a while, so hopefully there'll be a little more chance for, 
direct uh, interchange and maybe uh, meetings will be happening in person a little more. You know, there's, it, 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 yeah, it's just, it's been a hard few years. And, you know, right. the things you're bringing up, you know, I can't speak to specifically. I don't, I, I, I wasn't aware of them and I don't specifically know what might have been behind. So, yeah, I, I can't really respond to those. Right. I guess the, my, my point is, is, um, you know, the standard response is, oh, you got to get involved or whatever. But, you know, it sounds like you have been involved. Right. So, so yeah, I, 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 uh, I hope, uh, maybe some, some people are listening. Um, I hope you, you persist. I hope that, uh, other people do get, uh, uh further involved. Cause, you know, one of the things that drives the possibility of having more locally produced programming is uh-huh. more people getting involved. And what right. used to happen is, you know, people would, would have in-person, in-station trainings, you know, I, there would be a, this room I'm in now, production one would be just full of most mostly younger people, you know, learning how to do production. And then that kind of feeds people into the, into the, the pipeline of doing, doing programming, whether it's the news, you know, so, so there's been a lot of things that sort of haven't been happening, which might just sort of organically lead to to more of that feel. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping with this the KBU opening up, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's been like a shift in culture at KBU or, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so so I think it's important. Uh, I, I'm glad you you said those things on the air that you were willing to do mm-hmm. that. Um, I got we got it looks like we got another caller. If you have any any final comments. No, that was about it. And I I thank you for the opportunity to kind of air my views. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, again, um, it's, you know, finding the best way, you know, if if one wants to have a, uh, a, 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 have input into whatever institution, KBU, I think historically has been, has been pretty open um, and uh, has has various ways, uh, you know. And if there isn't response, I think that is is more of a problem. I hope, uh, I hope, uh, uh, I hope that can be remedied. Anyway, so uh, yeah. thanks for calling. And we got uh, Mark up next. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Uh, I guess Ty is on the phone with a third caller, so we'll wait for him just a second. Uh, we need to talk to Mark. Uh, good morning. Morning. Uh, Paul, uh, before I was about to say, which would be uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, and we're nearing the one-year anniversary of the beginning of uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I'd like to speak to that. But uh, I was concerned about Per Fagering and his program, Fight the Empire, which I now see is not listed. Oh, that was the other really important thing that I can't believe. When I mentioned that I had mispronounced his name, I was going to... F- go on to say that I, I went and visited him uh, in the, he was in an assisted care facility. Um, he's, he's, he's doing okay. Um, you know, he's uh, having a hard time. He had a couple falls apparently in December. I can't really say too much, you know, I don't want to violate his privacy. Um, but uh, he's hanging in there. Apparently some of his, uh, his wounds are healing. And so he, you know, he might be you know, doing a little better. I don't, I don't know, but uh, he told me he wanted to, he wanted to be very clear that I told people if I was going to say anything, I said that he was already, he was already planning on retiring anyway. But yeah, he's not, he's no longer really able to do his show. So that's why I fight the empire. And, and, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's difficult for, for staff members, I think, to pre-record like announcements and stuff. I, I, I wish we could do more of that to let people know what's going on. Like we could play a little little uh, message about Fight the Empire. But, uh, you know, we're, we're just, there's not much happening. It's still in station. Just a few shows are being done live. But if we had a regular person on the board, you know, they could just announce that. But anyway, it's, so that kind of fell through the cracks. So yes, para, officially, Parafogging is no longer doing Fight the Empire. Sad well, I'm news. sorry to hear that, but I'm glad that he's still on the mend. I'm glad glad he's still on on the planet with us. Uh, I had called a couple of times. Actually, called, but I also left emails uh, saying that I, I'd be willing to fill in for him because I'm probably the the most common caller on his program. 
but I never got a uh, response. Okay, well, let me um, let me just quickly respond to that. So traditionally, um, the the way you become a programmer on KBU is you become a volunteer. You go through a series of two or three trainings, and you can still do do those online. So, so that would be the best way if you want to. That would that would put you in good standing, and then you can you know continue to plead. Then you can write a program. The, you formally write a program proposal. That goes before the program committee and the uh, uh, program director and probably the public affairs director as well. Um, so those are the, the, the steps that ne you need to do. You need to become a volunteer and you need to write a proposal. Um, I'm not sure how you did it, but uh, if you didn't do those things, um, that's the way you need to do it. Well, good to know. Um, getting back to Ukraine, uh, Paris program was the, pretty much the only program that I'm aware of on KBU that was covering the war for the last year. Uh, actually, um, I, I had three, at least three guests, maybe more, and I talked about it myself that, that talked about the war in Ukraine. But anyway. Okay. Well, over the course of a year, if you had three guests, that's maybe three more than the other programs did. Um, but getting back to the, the explosion with the Nord Stream pipeline, uh, Seymour Hirsch pretty much uh, nailed what most of us already assumed was the, the truth. Um, he is now coming under attack from places of all uh, of all things. Uh, Counterpunch Magazine, which is one of the more read, uh, tending to the left, uh, news gazettes of people contributing articles about a variety of things, generally on the left. It's similar to Common Dreams or Vnet. Uh, the editor of Counterpunch was actually attacking Seymour Hersh's article, which surprised me is very bizarre. Really? Uh, he, was, he was saying that uh, Seymour Hersh had relied on a single source and was, was poking fun at the idea that uh, the head of NATO had been essentially a Western asset since he was a teenager. Um, it seemed like a curious way to attack the, the most important investigative journalist America currently has, uh, Seymour Hirsch basically proved, as best as one can, using the sources that were available to him, that the United States indeed had blown up the pipeline uh, with explosives that were put in place um, several months ahead of time. So I'm, I'm looking on Counterpunch right now. I'm not immediately... Uh, this would have been Jeffrey St. Clair's right. uh, Friday column. So I, I don't know if you could follow it in real time while while we're talking. So Friday but, um, would have been the the date. I'm not sure it would. Have, well, today's the 15th, and so it'll be the 17th on Friday. So it would have been the 10th. So let me look for the 10th. Anyway, as we're talking, go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 a curious phenomenon that more broadly um, even people that are considered themselves traditionally to be anti-war on the left progressives all that good stuff uh, Amy Goodman from the very beginning was very very much anti-Putin anti-Russian very much supporting the NATO narrative um, I think um, that's I think that's an overly broad statement actually she's she actually okay. she's actually had um, a uh, in terms of media establishments, uh, uh, quite a few uh, very critical voices critical of Ukraine. I mean, I guess you'd... Well, yes, yeah, she has. Over, it, it, right. over the course of a year, she's mixed it up, and Counterpunch mixes it up, too. Uh, Counterpunch, just in, in today's Counterpunch, you'll find articles that uh, are more in line with my point of view. Um but the crucial here let me let me read let me just read what Jeffrey St. Clair read so we can sure. so everybody knows I read with intense interest this is in the context of a long article he does these he calls them roaming charges and he it's kind of a summary of his take on what's been happening I read with intense interest Seymour Hersh's account of the bombing of the Nord Stream pipelines Hersh certainly presents a plausible scenario for how the sabotage could have been executed the reaction has of course been polarized largely because of the piece published on Substack without, one presumes, any irritating queries from fact-checkers, rests entirely on the word of one unidentified source referred to somewhat coyly throughout as the source, 
who seems to command an almost omniscient knowledge of an operation in involving many parts and players, including another country, Norway. Hirsch has built a dazzling career based on the use of anonymous sources with major exposés over the decades in the New York Times, New Yorker, and London Review of Books. In most of these cases, the anonymous source was backed up by tangible evidence of some sort. That's not the case here. There's no documentary or evidentiary trail. Indeed, some of the public data that is available seems to undermine, so to speak, Hirsch's account in at least one respect. There don't appear to have been any Norwegian Alta-class ships in the area during the Baltops operation. That's interesting because they brought, Juan, I think it was Juan who brought that up and asked him about the uh, Nor Norway's denying that there were any uh, there any of their ships. So I don't know, I don't know what Jeffrey uh, bases his. Um, his uh, uh, refutation or his agreeing with Norway's denial on. So yeah, it's, it's sticky. I mean, basically, you know, he's, he's criticizing him for, I guess his, his journalistic practice rather than, you know, he says he presents a plausible scenario. I mean, yeah, that's Jeffrey well, St. Clair, you know. I, I just say it because he's, it's, it's one of the most important thought organs that, that, that the left has in terms of, people presenting ideas yeah uh, the attack on hirsch uh was pushed back uh by the the fact that hirsch in his memoir says that one of his main concerns is not uh presenting uh, a, a poisoned apple uh not 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 running with the false story that was uh uh offered to him in order to discredit his reporting so he has to vet the reporting he does he relied primarily on that one source so basically you're saying but based on his track record i mean i'm reading between the lines he's yeah. you you trust cy hirsch's judgment on the use of this source which i i, I, I tend to do that myself so yeah that's that's why i'm wrong hirsch has is, is pretty much 10 for 10 in in his reporting he's never been proven wrong but to get back to it um the, the criticism of Hirsch is that he's not, according to St. Clair, that he doesn't name his source, which is interesting because his source is obviously... No, he didn't say that. He didn't say... His, he said his reliance on anonymous sources that generally they're backed up by other evidentiary streams. And he says, in this case, it doesn't appear that that's the case. That's his, that's his fundamental criticism. It's a, it's a real technical point. I don't think we really need to, to dwell on okay, it too much. Let's let it go. But just the very idea that that there's this um, uh, argument with people that would ordinarily you'd think would be critical of NATO policy, would be critical of the neocon agenda, would be critical of. Right, and I think uh, Saint Clair um, is on all those counts. It's he, I think his criticism is a very specific one in this case. But again, we don't need to go off on that. I think I, I mean I'm. I'm bringing it up because I'm, you know, I think, you know, I think he, Hirsch is very credible. I think this is, I think this is such an important story that, yeah, I think, I think St. Clair may have been a little disingenuous with, with that critique because it, it is a really important story. And, you know, maybe Hirsch even rushed, you know, he, maybe he rushed himself more than he would have liked possibly because it is such an important story because it's just not even being covered is the is the real issue that people aren't really digging into it and people are accepting it face value which he didn't do to his credit you know whether you know if he turns out to be wrong that'll be a major deal you know if it turns out that his reporting now opens up other um, possible people to really get into it maybe there'll be some whistleblowers i mean i think that's the important of his one of the important things about his 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 running the piece well Let's let that go. If if you have a moment, if we could talk about Ukraine for for a minute, that would be useful. Yeah, we got uh, another caller, but go ahead. Okay. In in general, I, I I would in I would like to just describe the American news experience uh, of the last year regarding Ukraine as being a cartoonish uh, explanation of world events. Uh, something which is re reduced to, to good guys, bad guys. Um, we've had a demonization of Russia for the better part of a century, um, and it's it's gone through various stages. But Russia is, is, per, per, is perennially the enemy. 
Putin has been made to seem an arch villain. Uh, lots and lots of, of Russiagate hype for the last five or six years. The whole idea that Vladimir Putin is responsible for Donald Trump's presidency, that Hillary Clinton run, run, ran a fine campaign and ordinarily should have been president if not for Vladimir Putin. Russian bots uh, uh, invading the American mental landscape and, and in nefarious ways. Uh, so we've been set up to hate Vladimir Putin specifically and generally to, to regard Russia as the enemy. And quite a bit of what's considered the left buys into that, the idea that, that Putin is an authoritarian. Um, many anarchists, many people that describe themselves as anti-fascists in Portland uh, reflexively uh, dislike Putin and and sympathize with Ukrainian uh, resistance to the invasion. That there's kind of a an automatic like, oh my goodness, this is Russian imperialism, and we need to defend. Well, I think it, I think it, I think there is an element of, of imperialism there, and I think one can can also support you know resistance to invasion. But my my you know my take, I think we don't we don't focus on this enough. I, I wrote this earlier. I said. I wrote down, uh, thinking about this show, Putin's arrogance and unilateralism is essentially the same as ours. And what we never do, we don't, we we just keep, kick, again, kicking the can down the road of really confronting United States imperialism, unilateralism, arrogance, lies, hypocrisy. And, uh, and, and we need to focus on that first, is my point. You know, if we can get that under control... You know the idea that, yeah, I mean, I think I think what came out recently about the um, was really positive. I don't know if you heard uh, David Vine was on uh, uh, Democracy Now yesterday, the day before. There's a, you know, a uh, 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 crime against humanity charges against the UK and US for expelling the Chagos Islanders, indigenous people, uh, 50 years ago. Now let, let's 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 uh, let's John, start John let's Roger. talk. What's that? John Pilger covered that. Right. Let's start. Let's start talking about all, all those. Let's talk about Guam. Let's talk about the Philippines. Let's talk about Hawaii. We can also talk about Ukraine. Uh, uh, eight years ago, with a coup d'état that the United States engineered in Kiev to bring about the current government. Right. And, then, and I've and I've talked about that quite a bit on my program. And I think we should talk about that for sure. I think Victoria Newland, sh- you know, should be tried for crimes against humanity, along with, you know, well, Bush and I'm Cheney and Kissinger. Newland, because she has not left the world stage. Uh, she was recently circling back to the, the pipeline. Uh, she was crowing in, in jubilation about the fact that we had sunk the pipeline. Right. Uh, Curiously, well, Russia has been blamed for sinking the pipeline. That's prior to, to the Hirsch revelations. But uh, Victoria Newland was was very happy right. that the pipeline you're get, was sunk. You're getting into things that were thoroughly covered with, uh, on on Democracy Now. And uh, and and uh, we do have a couple new callers now, so I, I'd like to move on. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Okay. Thank you for calling in. Um, looks like we got Arthur up next. Go ahead. You're on the air. Okay, hello, Paul. Hi. Hey, um, I thought you should include in the discussion uh, uh, an other an, uh, entity that, to me, is m- number one suspect, and that is the oil companies. You, you know what I mean? I mean, they, their motivation right away turned into, a, you know, uh, the most profits they've had ever that there's that so i think they so, have the so most you think so you think biden, biden motivation. Was, you see think biden was working in complicity with at the behest of the oil companies to approve assuming just, it comes turns no. out to be true the Nord stream to us involvement yeah i'm just saying it's their motivation they're the ones who st- stand to profit right right, right away and right. They, but one would have to in, draw a, yeah. a line an evidentiary line between if you're saying that they're they had something to do with the Nord Stream 2 being blown up I think you know that's that's a stretch I mean it's possible but you'd have to prove that anyway 
Well, that that's what makes them gives them the the most motive. Well, sure, that but motive, motive you have have to have motive plus occasion plus whatever you know to make to prove a crime. Anyway, sure, sure, but you can't rule them out, and they should be included in in the discussion whether they're the most well you, you know, know suspect well or, you or know they're just, u.s foreign they're, they're motivated to do it right right well u.s foreign policy throughout history has often been motivated by protecting u.s corporate interests so in that generic way i would i would agree with what you're saying but anyway go ahead um so there's the motive the motivation mainly um for profits but it's also the motivation to continue the industry you know, we were talking about reducing and re making that argument. And so for them, blowing up the pipeline, which they certainly could do, um, uh, um, adds to their argument that well, we don't have to worry about global warming. Because so, so are you saying, that, are you saying that they did it themselves? The argument that Hirsch says is the U.S. Navy that did it. So yeah. not, not Yeah, they were supposedly in the area at the time, but... What's their motivation? Which is the stronger motivation to do it? And I say, okay, well, uh, oil companies, you'd, you'd oil to, exporting countries. Okay, well, you have to, motivation. You'll have to do your own Seymour Hirsch and find a, <laughs> a, a mole within the U.S. Uh, the oil industry. Anyway, we got two more callers. Okay. Do you have a, a All right. okay? Thanks. All right. Well, it uh, looks like we we got Robbie, who uh, I'm sure will have quite a bit to say since he's been talking about the Nord Stream two for a long time. Go ahead, Robbie. I'll make it quick. I just want to remind the last caller that uh, Halliburton and a lot of the uh, industries, the oil industries, their direct hand is the uh, military industry of imperialism. I don't know. I mean, we can't discuss 9-11, but I mean, it seems like oil was the main culprit for trying to get us into the Middle East. But I got a question. Have you even read the have you read the, the actual article from Seymour Hash's Substack? I, I started it. You know, I, I just came across it. Yes. You know, actually. I just came across oh it yest God. yesterday, so and I, I I read I I I read through it. I didn't really that attentively. I was reading a couple other articles. Wait, so you so you did read it. I didn't I didn't read through the whole thing attentively, but I did look at it. Yes. There's a lot of evidence in there that just because the single source, what happened is though, and other people on Twitter have been confirming the other stuff. Like for instance, they talk about. Um, not the ball drop so much, but there is a specific plane that took off, and he dates it here. I was trying; I'm skimming through the article myself, but I did read it last week when it came out. And uh, I mean, when <laughs> I think this is the big thing, we're just reciting what other people think about it, and we're not actually going at the source. So when you when the people on uh, Twitter they've confirmed that there is actually this plane that went right over the Norwegian area, and so there's so there there there's evidence supporting this unconfirmed uh source or whatever and it's just such a shame that people aren't even reading it i mean seymour hirsch was completely uh you know all of the liberals loved him when we when he showed that we were in iraq doing war crimes and that there was war crimes committed in vietnam and now here he is bringing up something about ukraine and we're still like well, I don't know. There's not that much evidence. And it's like, you really think the American, like, I will say the reason why it's not considered evidence is because the thing holding it back is the United States government said it's false. I'm surprised we even have Seymour Hirsch do this. But to my other point here, and I'll make it quick, I'll take, I'll, you know, I'll wrap this up. Michael Hastings. Michael Hastings was a journalist that was killed by a cyber attack. This is what a CIA ex-general uh, said it, it resembled uh, Michael Hastings. He was a journalist killed in America for breaking stories. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I won't have to speculate, but I'm just saying these people are putting their lives out on the line. And, uh, you know, I think we need to take that into consideration when we're thinking like, well, what's the motivation? It's like <laughs> Biden and Newland both said they wanted that pipeline destroyed. How naive uh, do we have to be to actually believe them when they say there's no actual evidence? You know what I mean? That's like the victim. That's the, the, the person that's accused saying, oh, it wasn't me. It's utterly false. And then we're just like, well, they're, they're right. There's no, no I, evidence. I, I take your. Why would there be evidence? I take your comments as as I'm re as I'm reading, attempting to read this as you're talking. I realize, no, you know, I, I took bits and pieces of it. I, I looked at some other stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I I didn't do my due diligence. So I, I stand I stand uh, correctly criticized on that. So you're right. I didn't have it. At the tip of my tongue, some of the kind of responses that I think you could have if you actually read it. So I appreciate that. So people should go to I, Substack and probably 
people should support Seymour Hirsch on Substack, which I think I might actually do, subscribe to it, because he, like uh, Chris Chris Hedges, who is uh, forced onto Substack for similar reasons, um, and, uh, and the other people who are there, um, need support because they no longer have the New York Times. Both of them were New York Times reporters and other such uh, places that uh, could pay them if they chose yeah. to be more courageous. I, I appreciate the conversation. I'll just end it with this. I, I am going to miss Fight the Empire. I do think that was Kebu's last real great, um, I don't know, source of communication and delivering of information so it, it will definitely uh, uh it'll be missed um and i and i uh, wish and pray all the well for uh the cable members associated with that uh thank you okay well i guess i haven't risen, risen to the level of a of a great show which is fine um i appreciate uh i appreciate uh his uh always appreciate robbie's uh point of view i think it's really important to have these really cogent i i think we have a tendency you know, what I thought was great about Pear's show was, uh, you know, his real, it's hard to criticize U.S. Empire. I mean, it's, it's easy to fall into the, you know, look at the drumbeat of, of propaganda on Ukraine. It's it's hard to go against that. So uh, I was going to uh, talk about some things that I think we, we could do with the level of uh, of uh, organizing, but it looks like we have Santiago, Hussein, and Brian uh, all lined up with only eight min- 10 minutes left to go. Go ahead, Santiago. Yeah, I'll just make it quick. You know, I think, you know, Robbie was right. You know, I think, you know, pair of the what's really missing at KBU, and I've, I've mentioned this multiple times, is that, you know, there's no real leftist critiques. I mean, a lot of the shows, you know, and it's no offense to you, man. I mean, you got your own opinions and whatnot, but I just, I find that, I find that a lot of a lot of the opinions that are expressed on KBU, you know, I mean, maybe even maybe even slightly more left if you look at the old Mo Variety Hour, but a lot of it is just like radical liberals. You know, it's like I mean, even Chris Hedges, as much as I love him, you know, he just he he really lacks in that area of trying to go like further left than just like you know. Then I mean, I know that everybody's scared of power, you know, because they, you know, uh, you know. Uh, Basically, what I'll say is that, like, you know, Putin Putin and Zelensky are products of American imperialism. End of story. Putin wouldn't exist, and, and Zelensky wouldn't exist if, if America had just kept, it, kept its nose out of the USSR. You know, Russia and Ukraine... So you're denying were, that there's any independent, like, history to, to those, no, those places? I, I, well, no, you are. In, I, in a I, sense, you are, kind of. No, I mean, here's the thing. Like every 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 country has their independent history, but the thing about the thing that most people don't realize about America is that America has no communal history. It's a it's a corporation masquerading as a nation state. It's only the only reason why it exists is because it was it's it's a it's a it's a nation that takes. It has no communal history. It has no. It has no like it has no culture of its own. All of the culture that comes from America has come from the people that it has enslaved, or it has uh, oppressed. It has no culture independent of that. And you know, and they, and, you know, and what Russia did, what the USSR did, is as much as you can have an opinion about it, they did something that scared the hell out of the United States because they found another way to utilize resources that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't held to a capitalist paradigm. What? Did they make a lot of mistakes? Absolutely they did. But right, Putin and I, and I just think you... are Putin and, Putin and Zelensky are direct right. causations of American imperialism. Well I just think you can't I just think you can't completely reduce I think I think a you know the kind of conversation one would have to have is probably beyond my present ability and I don't know if I'll ever know you know the full Russian, Soviet, all the history to really understand, you know, the the early period. I'm actually, uh, uh, I was reading a book, uh, uh, actually a book about uh, a biography of Joseph Conrad, actually, which has has some of this history of the, you know, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. Uh, anyway, there's, there's this incredibly d- deep history. And the, oh, oh, and the, I guess the role of, you know the 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 original war against uh you know the way that uh, uh Lenin went after 
um, went after Poland, Poland, Lithuania, Ukraine. Uh, early on, the the Red Army tried to basically uh, take it over, and they weren't able to. Anyway, it's a it's fascinating history. But to, oh, I, I guess I I'll, absolutely I'll, agree. I can't. I th I just say you can't completely reduce the the you know the then the West's involvement in supporting the White Russians was a huge factor in sort of distorting the direction. But I get you still can't reduce the the you know there are elements of of old Russian imperialism present you know so you know you can't I guess my point is you can't completely reduce it to the distortions produced by global capitalism capitalist encirclement etc you know but I you know we'd have to have too long conversations to attempt to well I mean that's that. like saying well that's like saying that you couldn't that you couldn't boil down the problems between Native American tribes to just American imperialism when we have our own rivalries. I mean, yes, they were there. Yes, there was a lot of bloodshed in our brother's house. But you know what? At the end of the day, it was our house to do what we did with. And America had no business coming here and slaughtering all of our people. And that's anyway, the same thing that goes anywhere where America goes. I, you We've know, got two I more callers. A lot of bad blood between a lot of Eastern European countries, but you know, at the end of the day, America exacerbated it and made it worse for their own gain. Okay, well, we got a couple more callers. Always good to hear you, and one that I don't think I've heard on my program, so I'd really like to hear what Hussein has to say. Go ahead, you're on the air. Hi, Paul. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, are you talking to me? Uh, well, no. Uh, we had Hussein on. We seem to have lost him. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah, this is Brian. Uh, I just had a couple of questions um, or a couple of things to say uh, about Pear Foggering. I missed all of the conversation. Did you happen to direct people to where they could give their well wishes to him? Is Was that something that you had said? Um, no, you know, I... I can't really get into all this on the air. I, I'm getting mixed messages about whether he actually can or wants to have visitors. Um, or just even contacting to let him know how much we appreciate what he's done. That's that's what I was just wondering. And since the communication with Cable is a little bit like other um, callers have said, it's a little bit tenuous and hard to get through. I just wanted to know if there's any way. And I and I fell down on the job. I wanted to, to try to, I, I should have asked him, I went to visit him at his care facility and I can't give out the address just could, because. Could you do something next week? Um, I'll, I'll try to get in touch with him um, or or his son and see if I can, I can make that, you know, you could, you know, you could send a letter here to Kebu, 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, direct it to him, and, and we can make sure he gets it. That's, you know. Okay. It might be nice. That's one of the, my, my little complaints about Kebu, that over the years we've had favorites that just disappear off the map, and we appreciate so much the work they've done. I'm thinking of Ani and, and um, um, oh, what's his, her name? Um, Teresa. Anyway, appreciate what they've done, and then it's like they're gone, and, and it's like you wanted to let them know that we appreciate all the work they've done over the years. So just if if you could do something like that, and I will try to do a a, a, um, a mail. Um, to yeah, the, I mean, people can send to Cabu Twenty Southeast Eighth Avenue, Portland, Oregon nine seven two one four, and I will I will send an email to uh, all the staff people uh, to try to figure out who who picks up the mail and and uh, give them the, uh, his uh, his mailing address where he is, and uh, yeah, that's the best I can do right now. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, and I just wanted to, to say one last thing about your um uh, your discussion about um, what's going on in, in Ukraine, and it's like it's just so obvious to anybody who has half a brain that is just such a cash cow. And and on even on NPR radio, I hear these stories, and they're uh, military experts coming on, and it's like commercials for weapon systems. It's so obvious. So anyway, that's all I got. Yeah, to like say. like those missiles uh, that shot down those balloons that cost uh, what a hundred fifty thousand dollars each. What a oh yeah, what, no, what a farce. Anyway, I got Hossein back, so let, let's see what he has to say. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, thanks for calling, uh, Brian. It's near the end of the show. Sorry, I'm a little uh, short here. Uh, go ahead, Hussein. You're back. Hi, Paul. This is Hussein. I'm, thank you for taking my call. I'm a fan of your program. I think you do very well. Today, I was really, really uh, uh, offended when you keep interrupting the speakers when they have something to say, and you finish their sentence and then go on, and they don't get much to say. But some of the things they were saying about Ukraine, 
Yes, you're right. A lot of people have been saying this from day one that it started. From day one that it was uh, just the idea of that Russia is going to attack Ukraine when NATO was at their door is really ridiculous. And now you come and ask them to give you proof? Uh, do you do all this uh, um, media that you tell us into lies and that doesn't, nothing exists? Anybody goes after them for the truth? No, there is a little bit of truth, but if you want concrete truth, you probably are waiting for another four years. Yeah. Right. You're talking about the Nord Stream too? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Right. I, I was I was quoting from Jeffrey St. Clair, who was criticizing Seymour Hirsch for only and, and a, Robbie says, if you read the article, it's not actually true. So people should really read the article. They should go to Substack, Seymour Hirsch, his article on the Nord Stream 2 and, and stop listening to us talk about him because it's a really long article. And uh, so, yeah, no, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't denying truth. I was just saying. Anyway, I, I won't say any more than that. Uh, go ahead. We, we, we actually were just out of time. So, sorry. No, that's all I wanted to say. Okay. It was, uh, really, is not a, uh, a criticism. It's a, it's a uh, supporting you how the, your program can be more effective. Okay. Thank you. People more encouraged to call. Thank okay. You. We got to go. We're out of time completely. Bye, everybody. You're listening to KBOO Portland's 90.7 FM. The time is 8.59 a.m. KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy 